Hey everybody, welcome to the Tomato Tomato podcast. It's a podcast about movies and the way that they're reviewed and the never-ending enigma of a website known as Rotten Tomatoes. I'm Jenna and joining me as always is my co-host. Chris, I'm the co-host. Yeah, and we are here to talk about a movie that had a very big significance on us for a very long amount of time. This is it's almost like the in terms of being reviewed it's the polar opposite of our last episode is being billed as the best reviewed superhero movie (laughs) of all time yeah going from that to this is it's almost day and night it's 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 disheartening honestly it's like but we know the public is behind it yeah there's a difference between like i don't know I mean, yeah, again, if you don't read episode titles or descriptions... Or if you have no clue what we would be talking about that would fit in these descriptions, we are talking yes, about... Yes, at Weekends at Bernie's. <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's to Electric Boogaloo. The no. search for Curly's Gold. <laughs> no, we are talking... The talk- quest for peace. Shut up, babe. <laughs> I'm sorry. So anyway. We are talking about... Justice League. (laughs) Thank you. I'm like, I was almost afraid to say it because I had a feeling (laughs) you'd say something else instead. But But, yeah. um, So Justice League. So we were... We've been looking forward to this movie for a very long time. Longer than I've like been on the internet. Honestly. Like, it's ridiculous. I've been through the ups and downs of following the the early George Miller version of the movie. When <laughs> Justice it was, League War. God. When it was... <laughs> or al- Justice League Mortal, that was Mortal, what it was. Yeah. yeah. When Barry was going to die, and it was almost kind of like Beowulf-style animated. It yeah. was going to be very weird. The whole cast was okay. Sets were built, and then it just collapsed. And it was like, oh, well, I'll never see a Justice League movie again. And I kind of was resigned to that fate. And it's like, all right, well, I got the Nolan trilogy to hold me over. And then Flaro happened. All the... DC TV show. It's like, all right, this will help. And then, you this know, happened. now we're here. Yeah. It was a it was a long wait, but for me it was it was goddamn worth the wait. Absolutely. Also, I love that we're looking at your computer background, which is just the original group photo. Yes, from and, San Diego. Yeah, and just like reminding me of the first day that that came out and I lost my mind. Yeah. And like genuinely started <laughs> crying. Um yeah, I mean, we're going to not try to turn this into a total gush fest but over the movie. But we kind of... I, it deserves it. It, it re- honestly does. Like, and there's so... If, ugh, I don't know, because I remember when BVS came out just being so sad. Like, yeah. I, I adored the movie. I absolutely loved it. I, it was, like, one of the best experiences I've ever had seeing a movie in a theater. But I was so bummed that no one else seemed to get it. That, like, I was in the minority of people that liked it. I didn't like the fact that I had to feel like I had to defend my opinion to people. Because I work in that space, you know, where nerds come in every week and buy shit. And so it's like, I have to defend my my opinion to people who just trashed it. And it's like, I don't like this. I just want a good movie. Or, like, a movie where people feel like we're all on the same page. And I think this time... it just it, it it's the one where we all agree on at least the audience yeah well and like i <laughs> um 
I don't know. I because I when BVS came out, I wasn't working in the situation that I am in now. But I was like in college and had a bunch of nerd friends, and it was I was the odd man out that like actually liked BVS, and everyone else just shat on it constantly. And it was these like it made me really bummed out because I was just like, you're just I don't know. Let me like what I like, and just because this isn't the fucking Nolan trilogy, like don't don't count it out. Yeah, it's its own. So. If you haven't seen all the endless <laughs> amount of articles about the tomato meter and Rotten Tomatoes holding the tomato score hostage. For their stupid web series that we're magically supposed to give a shit about. And then it's on Facebook, too. It's not even like a YouTube show. No. It's a Facebook live show. Well, because that's show. now a thing. It's like the companies and outlets are trying to do that of like, here's a Facebook live show. And then you kind of like can weekly update people and... But they know no one would tune in otherwise if they didn't have something like that. So it's it's such a ruse and like... (sighs) So anyways... And it's... The the whole point of the show is like, see it or skip it. So then it just boils it down to this very definitive thing of like, oh, well, it has a rotten score, so that must mean you must skip it. And it's like, no. Which we've talked about endlessly and here, that's not good film criticism. Like, just form your own opinion, like actually understand where people are coming from and don't just boil things down to a number so anyways now we're gonna boil things down to numbers <laughs> the tomato meter as of now is 39 percent uh, it went down Aver- average rating of 5.3 out of 10 218 reviews 86 fresh and 132 rotten Critic consensus reads as uh, Justice League leaps over a number of DC movies, uh, but its single bound isn't enough to shed the murky aesthetic, thin characters, and chaotic action that continues to dog the franchise. An audience score of 86%, average rating 4.3-5, with uh, almost 89,000 user ratings which like i think that is the most telling aspect here is that like people are making their voices heard well like go to bvs and see what the audience versus critic thing was because i don't remember off the top of my head but i would be very curious if it was about the same or if it was worse because i mean like i know like it just became a cultural thing of like let's just shit on bvs because it's an easy thing to do and you can nitpick on one aspect of the movie and then just like have it completely torn down for you and so, let's see. So, for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, it is... the tomato meter was 27% with 63% liking it. Okay, so it was less of a, a leap. Disparity. Whereas this is very this much is... a disparity. Yeah. Well, and there's... part of it, so we're recording this on Friday. The movie literally just came out. It we hasn't just even been it... at like a whole weekend yeah we just saw it like less than or a little over 12 hours ago yeah so like i'm I'm assuming that the audience score will change but i think like that initial reaction which like we were talking about this last night the fact that people people who want to go on thursday night kind of know what to expect and but they also know... you notice something about someone in front yes of us. yes so, i as we oh, were so full disclosure full spoilers <laughs> yeah full spoilers all the spoilers if you <laughs> if you care about the spoilers, please just wait and go see the movie first. Please see the movie. We really like want people to see this movie. Like I support genuinely it. want people to support this movie, and I know that they will. But like I I hate that it just turns into a fucking competition of like oh well Thor made this much and it didn't even really need to try and it's like yeah. well yeah. But so 
when we saw the movie, I we were waiting around for the post credit scenes because we knew that they were two, and I knew what one of them was, and we'll get into that later. And the the guy in front of us had his phone out, and I could see that he was tweeting. And he it was like a guy with like little kids and his wife, and his little kid was adorable. He was like trying to run like Barry and like dancing mm-hmm. to the song at the trailer or at the credits. It was really cute. But so then I watched the guy tweet, and it was something along the lines of like, "I just got out of Justice League. I'm very pleasantly surprised. Don't listen to what the reviews are. Just go and have fun." And that's pretty much the gist of it he has the right mentality granted it might have been a case of like the kids wanted to go see it and he maybe half wanted to see it but like like there's a point in the movie where the audience cheered and it just (sighs) filled me with joy my heart just soared like i like i am so glad that was the reaction it got from the like knowing when it ended and everyone clapped i've i've missed that i haven't had that happen in a movie in like months now yeah. and part of it is like when i've gone to opening show like opening night showings and like where they are and stuff but like this was the most like genuine we're gonna clap because we genuinely liked this movie kind of thing. i think the last time i've seen genuine clapping like that was maybe one of the captain americas or the first avengers oh wow that that i can recall in terms of like comic movies mm-hmm. superhero ones yeah i feel like Civil, Civil War might be the last one where yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Because, like, even stuff like Wonder Woman or Logan, where it's, like, very, like, beloved by people, it still was kind of an instance of, like, no one knew what to process, how yeah. to process it, so it wasn't this, like, resounding cheer. Like, with Wonder Woman, you could tell, like, people enjoyed it, but it was not, like, rah-rah. <laughs> Except for like, me, because I was yeah. shaking and crying the yeah. whole time. But Like, no one's going to be, like, Logan is very good but, but that ending where... is depressing as fuck and you don't really want to end it by clapping yes <laughs> like it deserves your clapping but still but yeah it it like there's an interesting kind of case study that you can do with like who's at a six o'clock thursday night showing for a movie and we're planning on going again sometime this weekend so i'm curious to see what the audience will be like yeah. and their reactions especially having knowing what's coming and knowing when those moments are and i love that about seeing a movie like twice especially in its first weekend mm-hmm. knowing what's coming and seeing the audience reactions mm-hmm. i get joy out of that uh-huh yeah, I do too, and I'm like, we'll talk about that later, but the joy that was on your face when a certain thing happened. There were so many things that just, like, <coughs> like it was so surreal to me. Like, it's talk so, about surre- this it's sa- so surreal that we're sitting like, here talking about Justice League. Like, there were little things in there, like, this is Steppenwolf fighting the new guy, or the, the Amazons over a mother box. Like, this is a thing <laughs> that is happening right now. Like... That's so insane to me. Like, we're... Uh, it's like all these little nuggets of goodness that fill me with joy. So... Unlike these uh Yes, reviews. that's a good segue. So, we kind of intentionally picked reviews from the blogosphere. I picked one... One of the rotten reviews was more a general kind of critic thing. Part of it was also just... It's it's Peter Travers from Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. and I... He usually just, like, approaches his reviews in an interesting way, and I completely disagreed with a lot of what he said in his review. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was kind of interesting to approach. Because what we've kind of noticed is that there's... It, there seems to be a thing where if it's a local outlet, like the local news or the local paper, they seem to really 
have more positive reviews than negative. If it's a blogosphere thing, it's kind of mixed. If it's a like the top tier like Hollywood Reporter variety, yeah, like although the major like the trades kind outlets, of yeah. they're more negative. Yeah, and so even if the review is mixed, now people are starting to discover this, especially on Twitter. Yeah, Mark Hughes from Forbes, shout out to him because he kind of uncovered he uncovered something and then it was kind in, of embarrassed because he realized he didn't know it, but in the process, a lot of people were discovering it. Yeah, so it, it kind of we've talked about before how Rotten Tomatoes is a very flawed system but we're starting to see how very flawed it is so if a review is mixed rotten tomatoes will automatically deem that as rotten yeah even though the the reviewer could have like a 50 50 view on the movie or 60 40 it's automatically rotten yeah and you you were explaining to uh this earlier to me about the two and a half out it's of so four bullshit it's it's absolute bullshit so as i was going through the reviews there was a two and a half out of four rating that was rated rotten but as someone pointed out on twitter that's like a that's like 66 percent or yeah. like something to so where that's that's, that's, a, that's a fresh rating if you go by their system but then there was a two and a half out of five star review which i guess is a 50 percent technically so then that mm-hmm. technically was a fresh rating yeah but so it's like why is the higher score having a shittier rating yeah it, that's the problem when you have all these different rating systems and trying to correlate them to each other and it and just the does fact not work. that the fact that with this movie you could tell they like wanted as many reviews as possible because they knew that people would be looking because so it then was like because like click driven yeah or stupid fucking show facebook show facebook. but so like mark hughes realized like his review was posted on rotten tomatoes without him even submitting it and then that was how it was automatically deemed one way or the other and so it's like the fact that they did that it seems to be this disparity with a bunch of the reviews for this movie and it's kind of an interesting thing like it's making me rethink like a lot of how movies are scored just because the the numbers of it seem so arbitrary it is it's kind of that's why i hate boiling movies down to scores and stars thumbs Thumbs up up, thumbs thumbs down down. (laughs) it's not nuanced it's yeah it's a quick easy shortcut for people who it's like should i see this movie should i not see it but it, it it doesn't have nuance. It doesn't have the details, and you just read the reviews themselves. I've said that so many goddamn times. But I should make a drinking relevant. game out of it. But it's still relevant, and especially with this <clears throat> movie. And part of we didn't we didn't read like I read one review from someone that I know personally, and that was it. Because I'm like I don't really need. To, I Before I saw this, I didn't want to be inundated with all these other, like, hot takes that yeah. I knew I wasn't necessarily going to agree with. Yeah, I knew it's my own biases. I'm going to be upfront about it. I, I knew I was going to love this movie, but that doesn't mean I'm not objective about it and I see flaws in it. Yeah. I still love the ever-living hell out of it, but... Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about the flaws. Yeah. So do we, you mentioned Peter Travers. Yes. Do we want to start? Let's start. With let's start with him. Yeah. Let's start with so Rolling Stone. So Peter Travers from Rolling Stone, um, he gives it uh, two and a half out of five stars. Uh, kind of the sub. Uh, what do you call that thing after this? It's like I a, took journalism classes. I should know this. It's like a call. Byli- it's a yeah. It's a call out. A byline. Call byline is like the who, name. Who wrote yeah. It. yeah. I took. Journal- it's okay. <laughs> So DC Universe's answer to the Avengers drops the darkness for a breezier, more banter-filled movie and loses uh, something in the process. Which, okay. This, 
the hypocrisy of the, I don't even know how to describe it because it just makes me mad and I know I'm going to start on a rant, but the same people that gave Zack Snyder so much shit for going grim uber dark. dark and uber grim now for the sake of like telling a story even though his ultimate goal was i'm going to bring it out of the darkness it's just gonna take time to get there it was the arc he had told us that he was doing it's in the, man it's, of steel yeah, it's the fucking man of steel thing it's the they'll stumble and they'll fall but then one day they'll rise up and join you in the sun which every time i rewatched man of steel like a week ago and that line like made me start crying because mm. it was like it applies to the league but the people that are giving Snyder shit for the exact thing that they wanted a year ago is like unbelievable to me. Everyone a year ago, everyone or two years ago when BBS came out, everyone's saying this is shit. This should be Marvel style, and then they did that, and now it's now it's it's flipped. The narratives have slipped, and now it's too much Marvel. It's mm. too messy, funny, poor. It's everything. It, there's no winning. I don't know. I'm beginning, because everyone loved Wonder Woman. Yeah. And we can get, that's we, a whole other conversation. That's just but, like, you can chalk that up to Patty, you can chalk that up to like... So I don't just, think it's a DC thing. I think it's just a Snyder thing. But Snyder co-wrote Wonder Woman. But everyone was focused on Patty. Like, Snyder very rarely came up in discussions of Wonder Woman being praised. It that's was all true. Patty. That's true, but it like, was her and well, Gal. and part of it is like the the situation that Justice League is in is such a unique situation with Snyder. Yeah, and like I remember the day that that news was announced, and I was just like, I completely understand why we're in this situation, and I respect him, and want nothing more than for him to be comfortable with everything. But I still was like, what is going to happen to this movie? Like, what's going to happen to how this movie is received? Because it was bad enough on its own when Snyder was just doing his own thing, but then adding Whedon into the mix was, like, this, like, darkest timeline kind of scenario. It was like, oh, my God. But Which, so, kind of touched upon with former Buffy creator sharing a screenplay credit with Chris Terrio, but the upbeat tone of the movie, snappy banter, blending with action, unburdened by subtext, is definitely Whedon-esque. I... There's... There... You... There's the Whedon aspects are definitely noticeable, and that was one of the that's one of the the faults I give the movie from the reshoots. That yeah. I don't fault reach reshoots. They're all necessary. But, but the reshoots, there are a couple bits that are definitely noticeable. The the scene between Barry and Bruce, if you pay attention, you can tell where the lighting. Bit, yeah, the whole brunch bit was added in later. It was much softer. The lighting was completely different, and, and the, the angling was completely yeah. different. And there's a scene with Aquaman in the water. After he's talking to Bruce, and you could tell that this is CGI. A, res- a reshoot scene, and those bits were like, I don't know why they didn't do a little bit more, like in post, to make it work more. It's like, were they lazy in terms of like trying to match the? I don't know if it was the... all just Whedon, because at that point Snyder had no say in post. I know. It was all Whedon. I know, but I'm like, when you so if 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 I were in that situation and I was trying to fill in the puzzle pieces, I would spend an absurd amount of detail going in and trying to figure out how to exactly match the shots and make it to where it's not noticeable that you're adding shit in. But like like we said with those two instances, it's kind of noticeable where you can kind of tell. And like, yeah. 
So with this review, which by the way he calls Joss Whedon a wizard, that's debatable. Yeah, um, um, way more fun. Even if he doesn't get support from Wonder Woman and Princess Diana, uh, yes, Gal is back, uh, and as ever worth cheering. So everyone's still. I think the, everyone loves these characters. At least everyone focused on Wonder Woman a bit because um, they wanted to follow her coming off of her solo and as much good press and buzz that got. And so that was one thing at least critics could like. Yeah, but let's see. Yeah, this, the whole, the, the way that, going back to like the fun argument, it says, this coming together of DC's heavy hitters takes so many happy pills it almost overdoses on them. No one sings the sun will come out tomorrow in this movie, but the attitude is so bright and optimistic that you might mistake it for a fun ride on the Marvel Express. I, Which, okay, I, I, if this, this had, doesn't, if this didn't open with a DC logo and it opened with a Marvel one, we'd have a different discussion here. I don't know. I, like, you, I don't see this as tr- uh, d- deliberately trying to copy a Marvel movie. No. I see it trying to do its completely own thing while bringing in, I would say more comic elements as opposed to more this, Marvel this was elements. This still very much a Snyder movie. Yes. With like sprinkles of Whedon and in there. Yeah. But like, I don't, uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't want to talk about Whedon too much because I feel like any, like the, the people that are kind of like, and there are people that are doing this, unfortunately, that are kind of like, oh, all the good parts are Whedon and all the bad parts are Snyder, which was the same thing with Wonder Woman's script. It was like, oh, all the shitty parts were Snyder. Yeah. And I'm like, how can you tell? He didn't you write like know. chunks of the script. He wrote he the entire up, script. He came up with the story for it. Yeah. So. It says, we can tell you that Affleck loosens up good when he's not carrying the psychological weight of the world on his padded shoulders, which like, okay, people like, I, I, hear, I keep hearing people kind of saying like, that this is such a weird 180 for Bruce to go from, like, so dark and so brooding to, like, the way that he is in this movie. But, I don't know, it felt like a natural kind of progression for me. And like I was telling you earlier, it feels like what he would have been like when, like, the Bat fam was around, which I love that, because it kind of, like, just him being the awkward dad that is, like, overly injured by everything. (laughs) And is just like, I'll just pay for everything and just boss everyone around and stuff like that in uh, one of the film's most beguiling moments Aquaman mistakenly sits on Wonder Woman's lasso of truth and starts spouting his feelings like <laughs> that was a great scene it was so great because it's the perfect way of like it was a great kind of like dynamic moment because for... you're you're letting Aquaman open up after he's just been like fuck no I'm not doing this kind of the entire movie and so then you go from that to like you see, like, you're like, oh, wow, he's really opening up. This is, like, comic Arthur, kind of. And then you just realize the lasso truth. <laughs> and I love the hint of calling Wonder Woman gorgeous and saying, like, I know our tribes fought each other, but... <laughs> because it fucking sets up Flashpoint. It's, like, it's the so perfect great. crescendo into their whole shit in Flashpoint. And then, like, uh, the scenes of the League's members together bickering and bonding spike the film with humor and genuine feeling, creating a rooting interest in the audience. Which, I get that feeling so much yes like i love that they come together because of a need not yes. because of a does like a, a not, choice not really? because like, someone was killed and then yeah. they were emotionally manipulated by their boss <laughs> i'm getting at <laughs> avengers um thank you fucking thank you because like that's what I bothers feel like, me i feel like people should 
Avengers, the first one. Is shit. See, I was going to say, okay. it's good. It's, we have it's definitely, frustrating. We have improved from there. It is a very simple movie. Team gets together, aliens invade. Not a lot of character development. Snark. Everyone, like, mad at each other and snarky at yeah, each other. Like, which, we'd get that in Justice League, but in a different way, but a more... Natural. You have all these big personalities coming together, but they all understand each other and respect each other and it feels like a, it's, come it's, it's together. more of a <laughs> i didn't mean it like that it's yeah. more of a like human kind of meeting as opposed to like the uh, everything in avengers just feels kind of forced almost like it's kind of contrived how they like initially act around each other it's like you literally just met this person you wouldn't be wanting to like fucking try to like because looking back they have they it's almost like they go out of their way to have Tony and Steve Bicker. It's like, yes. Civil War, Civil War. We all know. And then, like, say, well, instantly, Bruce and Tony are our best friends. And, like, it, there's all these, like, dynamics where it's like, that was fast, kind of. Whereas mm-hmm. this, you get, like, the awkward, kind of human moments of them actually having relationships with each other and like, trying to, like, feel each other out. Like, the scene with Barry and Victor when they're digging the grave. And I love that Barry is like, so where are the accidents? Yes, because it's just like they're... it's such a kind of self-aware moment, and like of and and them bonding. And then the 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 fist bump that goes yeah. horribly wrong. It's like we shouldn't be here, really. Where the accidents? Yeah, and like I, it's not that everything needed to be all sunshine and rainbows when they instantly meet up. Like I loved just Aquaman being done with everybody. I loved Vic and Arthur just not being that like super happy with each other mm-hmm. immediately when it's like get the Little Merman out of my yes. way, like. It's, it's, like when you take heroes Mm -hmm. different heroes and team them up there's always that trope of we have to have them fight each other first like we got that in the first avengers which was that was a cool scene and everything it even happens in dc tv it's a flash first arrow like we got it in this one but it felt like it was okay the way that it was done in this one felt so much more like purposeful and like it made sense whereas kind of i don't know i don't just for the fact that i got superman to say tell me do you bleed yes his delivery yes. of that yes you, we both looked at each other and we were just like oh my god <laughs> like it's oh, just the the callback to that and the i mean like self-awareness isn't really the right word but there was a sort of self-awareness in yes. moments like that and in kind of how Bruce and Diana kind of deal with each other and in that sort of stuff. So I'm going to read a line from this review. Oh boy. Let's face it. Steppenwolf is a CGI yawn and the action sequences are often a digital blur. The soundtrack defaults to loud whenever inspired wanes and keeping it light becomes the first step to staying superficial. If you replace Steppenwolf with Ultron. Yes. It's the same thing. Yeah. But it doesn't get the lower rating. <sighs> Fucking hell. Uh, it's, uh, that's but so it, frustrating. But cause... Travers goes on to say Justice League is a different, is a decent crowd pleaser, preferable in <laughs> every way to the candy ass cynicism of Suicide Squad. I love that. But, so, but okay, but then he says, but sometimes shadows need to fall to show us what to be scared of. In the end, this all-star team-up is too afraid of the dark to work its way into our dreams. I, you got the darkness in, in a whole, like, two movies, technically. Because Man of Steel technically counts. Because everyone was like, yeah. this is too dark, this is my Superman, what the fuck? And it's and like... And so now we 
it's, we've come it's, full circle to where they're like give us more darkness yeah it's such bullshit <laughs> it's so funny that they keep moving the goalposts yeah on snyder and he can just never land it with critics but wow. okay the the people complained about ragnarok and said nothing happened like they're like okay the whole point of ragnarok was just like poppy fun and there's no real like um consequences mm -hmm. this has consequences and so, like, but it also is fun along the way. It is. But instead, it's just like, um, instead, there's just this stupid false equivalency. And, like, I saw someone point out earlier today on Twitter that uh, it, there's an argument to be made that Wonder Woman was well-received well because there was no female superhero movie to compare it to. Yes, so this was go going off of that. It's mm -hmm. another thing that, um, because with... The DCEU, we have expectations. We've had a dozen Batman. We've had a dozen Superman movies. We have a Flash already on TV. Whereas we have never had Guardians of the Galaxy. We've never had an Iron Man. We've never had a Captain America movie before the MCU. So there's nothing to compare it to. So this is automatically the best or the worst. More often than not, yeah. it's automatically deemed the best. So there's nothing to correlate previous MCU movies to outside of spider-man and outside of like the old serials which like no one's gonna no, compare it to no or like one. cartoons like like and you could almost make the argument here that like the i i was very pleasantly surprised with the approach to cyborg and i think that i would be curious what the response from people was in particular to cyborg when a lot of the frame of reference for people is like teen titans go yes. <laughs> like, i'm so glad we at least got one booyah yes in. yes and it wasn't forced it was like it was yeah. like a cute moment it was the, just, i loved his little bit with when he's working on the mother boxes and Superman is there and they're just bantering and laughing. And then they fall and they're like, Alice hurts. How does, how do my toes hurt? I don't have toes. It's like, it's so, that's the thing. It's like their banter, the Whedon banter in Avengers was frustrating to me. Like it's fun when you first see it, but the more you watch it, it's, you're okay, like, this is so stale. It's, I like the dude. I like a lot that he's written, but it was almost Bendis speak. Yes. And Bendis is very quippy. He's very quippy. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. quippy. Yeah. He quips. <laughs> You're like, it's how many exactly times can like I say that? that? It's exactly like it, that, it, though. It is that kind of it, thing. And it, it's just his style. I, there's like, I, that's a whole other conversation. Bendis, but like, but, but like this type of humor is, like I'm, like I'm, like I said before, it's more natural. It's like the type of humor you would expect when you put a bunch of strangers in a room together, kind of. Like, and I don't think any of the humor... Where the quips deflated the dramatic no, punches. No. If anything, it was just... it Like, there's kind of... I'm trying to think of how to explain it. The MCU, for me, is very in touch with trying to, like, bring things down to reality to a scale. Like, especially with Phase 1. It was like, how realistic can we make as many of these movies as because possible because it it's like it was so new there were all these yeah. new concepts that so had it's never like been done so it's before. like let's send thor to earth to humanize him and make him like as realistic as possible let's make and add audience proxies like darcy, darcy. and but so like then when you brought them together in avengers it's supposed to be like i don't know there's i'm trying to think of what point i'm trying to make here but basically i feel like justice league has the ability to 
acknowledge in a way how ridiculous the situation of the movie is yes like the fact that it's like like the dress like a bat thing and the like uh, just the fact that they all completely second guess whether or not to bring clark back to life which spoiler alert we'll get into that but like Mm -hmm. that that was a very interesting that was an unexpected plot little bit that i liked yeah but like Um, the fact that they genuinely have a discourse over it but it's not like i hate you i hate you civil war or avengers kind of bullshit like i'm gonna angrily chop wood because i disagree with you so badly no it was just (laughs) like i but like him ripping apart that wood is my sexuality yes like that (laughs) is that is a good moment and i'm it makes me happy for that scene but at the same time it's like i don't I don't know. It doesn't feel realistic. Whereas this is very much, while being a heightened thing of like two basically demigods, two people in gigantic freak accidents, a dude that dresses like a bat and a dead alien. Like they, it's kind of aware of what it is that insanity. And so, well, now that brings us to the one fresh review from Screen Rant by Sandy Schaefer, and uh, the headline is. JL review DC's film's rebirth has begun, uh, and it, she praises Snyder. Thank God. In this, uh, and she says, uh, though the film's more idiosyncratic touches and stylistic flourishes, very much feel like Snyder's handiwork in a good way. From the Watchmen style opening credits set to Sigrid's rendition of "Everybody Knows," to the movie's snapshot-esque slow motion during its many colorful, colorful, splashy action sequences. There, okay, there's a lot there. Yeah, Um, but, like, okay, in terms of the slow-mo, I know that's, like, a recurring thing where everyone's, like, even, like, going into Wonder Woman, there were people who, like, their first question was, like, how much slow-mo is there? Yeah. Because it feels very much like this, like, Snyder staple to where, like, if Mm. he's involved with it at all, it has to have slow-mo. But, like, you notice it in this, but it's not, I don't know. I I, I I, I I liked it. I know a lot of people don't like slow-mo, Mitch. Um, <laughs> but I don't have a problem with it. It's just a style choice, maybe because I've I've seen so many Snyder and, movies uh, that it's. Um, but there's a, there's, there's an there's, argument to be made that the slow mo makes sense in this movie because of Barry. Like Barry justifies but that's the a whole use. different kind. I know. If, like there's this whole like I don't know Speed Force vision. Yes, flash vision. which is so good. The way by the way CW Flash. I'm sorry. Your one generic shot of Barry <laughs> Allen running on a treadmill will not cut it. Will anymore. not cut it anymore because this is the like. And I'm so glad they didn't. The only other kind of correlation I can make to this would be the Quicksilver scenes from yeah. the recent X Men movies. Yes, those are great. Those are the standout scenes from the last yeah. two X Men movies, but they're mm-hmm. done in such an interesting way where it's him kind of just every like time is frozen, but. I don't know how to describe Flash. It's kind of flashy. Yeah. To pardon the pun, but like (laughs) you see him move around in the space and kind of, you could I like how it's Flash early on and he's still. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. When he trips, when he trips and debatably says shit, we can't figure it out. We're going to. think he says fuck. Or fuck. Yeah. We're going to find it out when we go again. But like that. I loved just the use of that, and I mean, part of it is the budget being increasingly better and and, and all of that, but, like, like the moment when Barry's running and then Clark turns around at the same speed as him, oh, that he, moment is incredible. It was an oh shit moment. <laughs> like, I, there were so many moments like that in this movie where I, I hate to, like, 
shit on the MCU again, but, like, I love it, but I kind of more or less know it, what I'm going to yeah, get. Yeah, it's it's not, like, yeah. It's Partly you, because the DCEU is still, even though we're five movies in, it's still, it's still evolving. new. It's still evolving. It's still figuring out where to go next. We've been talking frequently. We don't know what the fuck they're going to do next. Like, the only, like... Constant is Aquaman and Shazam yeah. and the Wonder Woman sequel. And in terms of MCU, Infinity War is a complete question mark. Yeah. Then that's why I'm super excited for that one. Whereas, like, yeah, I feel like... Something like, I feel like Ant-Man and Wasp, I know what I'm going to get. It's going to be a fun comedy team-up. It's like, I, I feel like lose. I like Marvel movies more when I know less going in. And, yeah. like, with this... So, what I was surprised by, which we could have a whole discussion just about the stuff that was in the trailers but not in the movie, which, by the way, WB, give Snyder a... Like, let him cut his own version of this movie because he's, there's a bunch of shit that was yes. left on the cutting room floor. But, like, I did not feel... The amount of what was not given away in the trailers and the amount of, like, ways that we weren't really misled, but we were, like, under the impression that one thing was happening and when in reality it was something completely different. I had that feeling with Suicide Squad. The trailers are great. And then I was like, oh, there wasn't a lot given away in the trailers because there wasn't a lot to give away. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) We were bamboozled. I still enjoy that movie. I know it's... It's not perfect, but it's fun. As a character piece, it's good. The characters are the strength of that movie. Um, And and shout out to... uh, Well, the review from ScreenNet gives a shout out to Fabian Wagner Mm -hmm. uh, from Game of Thrones for his bright and crisp cinematography uh, with a... This is a quote from Screen Rant. A lively soundtrack by Danny Elfman that right. nods to DC's history on the big screen. I'm going to move my computer away for the sake of safety. Let's talk about Danny Elfman. I, when they announced that Junkie XL was uh, let go and replaced by Danny Elfman, I, my heart sank. Yeah. Because go listen to the goddamn Mad Max soundtrack. I know. It's a masterpiece uh, he's the bbs he, soundtrack is a masterpiece like i genuinely i love that soundtrack he, so much it, it's amazing what he does and danny elfman to me has not done anything of note in the last 10 15 years and he literally just like copy pasted and was like cool like his, he kind own, of, his old work yeah the hulk theme is in this movie yeah like <laughs> i like i i understand why he was brought on and from, in the from, circumstances and all from the stuff. circumstances and to appeal to fanboys and it's like yeah it's danny elfman he's gonna use the 89 batman thing. yeah all those things to kind of emotionally manipulate you and nostalgia and, and i was all that. very against it and then when the movie came it didn't I know. I noticed it in the first act. Like it was very, and part of that was like the the first act is a lot of switching in and out of things. So yeah, like it goes because so like so the like first act, it, it the pacing is kind of off. Off. It's because it's all these little vignettes. I like. I understand with a team up movie, you have to establish all these different characters and but kind of weave them in. This movie needed like another half hour, and yeah. I'm kind of bummed that they didn't. I'm. I, it's it's such an arbitrary thing to make this movie two hours long. It did not need to be. Every single other superhero movie has been longer this year. But to play like devil's advocate from a studio standpoint i get it it's it's more marketable to have a two-hour superhero movie and with the runtime at two hours or less you can fit more screen times in 
at that's the theater true. and make it more bankable. That's true. That's so, very true. It's like double-edged sword. If, yeah, if you put it in like a two and a half hour, three hour movie, you're going to have less show times at the theater and get less ticket sales. That's very true. So yeah. from that, that's just from the executive studio standpoint. Yeah, but from the argument of like, like the argument I heard was like, For oh, the well, artistic the artistic integrity of it. Well, yeah, but like, and the the like WB basically said like, well, the first Guardians was two hours long, so let's have this be two hours long, and I'm like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Like, and but I don't know. I think the Elfman thing. The Elfman, because like the so the first act it goes from like the the cell phone video which, to which so. we can we can <laughs> I'm like let's put a pin in that. I just want to like not talk about Danny <laughs> Elfman for 20 minutes and then have our listeners be like, what are they doing? But like it goes from that to like the music video kind of aspect of the opening credits with the song, which gave me a lot of like the the last review said of Watchmen. Yeah. The opening credits to that are amazing. Yeah. And it's like this five I, minute like vignette kind of recapping, telling you the history and the the opening kind of sets the stage for this world and kinda yeah. tells you where we are. Well and I I like like the weird the weird things that we got in the montage in this of like the conspiracy theorists that think that Superman and Prince and Bowie all went back to their I home planets. Like just the little stuff like that I thought was kind of an interesting standpoint to have with it it was like it it definitely felt like you said kind of like watchman-esque in a weird way but like so the thing goes from the video message like the the video thing with zero background music to like the music video type thing to all these different sort of vignettes that have different scores behind them because you're trying to establish and give everyone kind of their own sound and so for the first act for me the like Elfman's score was really jarring because I could I was noticing it and I didn't want to be noticing it but then once the team actually got together i think that like really quickly faded away yeah it definitely it grew on me yeah and i as much as i love the junkie xl theme for batman it's a very dark heavy brooding and i don't know if that works for this batman i think this i would like to see an edit where that theme is placed over the Batman scenes in this movie. Like the Parademon scene and yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know if it would work. Well, because, like, the scene... Because I did think with the Parademon scene in particular, because, like, what we were arguing that the timeline of this movie feels longer than it actually is. I think the Parademon scene is, like, six months or, like, months before, like, Bruce's next scene in the movie, at yeah. least. Because, like, of the beard and then no beard and then a beard again. But, like, I... There was a moment when, like, Batman's flying with the parademon and, like, punching him in the face and trying to yeah. wrestle him down. And the way that Elfman's score kind of fit into that, I was like, I want to know what Junkie had in here because it almost yes. would have felt more impactful. I feel like he would have had a very strong... Opening. Parademon Steppenwolf theme. Yes. A very brooding... Yeah. Like, the... Because before this, I felt one of the strengths of the DCE was the soundtracks yes. and the scores. And we talked about with that with Thor last time. Yeah. Where it's one of the oh. weak things in the MCU. And so, uh, going back to Screen Rant. Sorry, I made you lose your place. It's okay. I think I highlighted it. Yeah, um, yeah, you did. So, um, because it's like a, an ensemble film, uh, you know, everything Screen Rant says, Justice League's ensemble makes the most of the screen time they are afforded providing audiences with the most with more reason to want to see them which i feel like i don't mind that steppenwolf was bland under like would you rather have 20 30 more minutes for steppenwolf or that time dedicated 
to the league. Yes, exactly. exactly. Like, yeah. Because I remember even... Because like, with Avengers, oh, okay, like Ultron's fucking bland. He's well, bland as well. Let's like, compare it to yeah. the first one. Yeah, we already we had already the knew benef- Loki. We already knew Loki, so he didn't need that much more development. Yeah. So he had that kind of going in. Uh, so with this time, I don't Steppenwolf. And like, okay, you can kind of argue even with like Civil War. So, like, we Zemo was really underdeveloped because the the main crux of like the villain side like the yeah. antagonist side of the movie was whatever team you were rooting against and yes. those were characters you've already seen for three movies now at least so it's like you got the benefit of that context whereas in this arguably you don't get as much context with Stephen Wolf even though he mentions dark side he <laughs> mentions apocalypse it's like that that for me was enough i think but yeah so the screener and also says at the same time it sets the table for a new and exciting future in the dc shared universe all that prevents justice league from breaking new ground for the superior genre from a narrative perspective it means that the league itself the film should have better luck at uniting and not dividing people mm-hmm. uh sidebar not critics apparently <laughs> i mean it's united some critics i feel like it's there are noticeably people who have turned like have changed their opinion on the dcu as a whole because of how wonder woman and how justice league was yeah. pulled off like a year ago when they were still f- a year or two ago now they invited all these bloggers out to the set of justice league to yeah. like hey yeah it we, was a year ago we, it was like in august yeah, of we, last it's year like, hey we listen to you people because you bitched and moaned about bvs <laughs> we're fixing it because you demanded it and like they showed them the barry and bruce scene and then they showed them the scene with gordon and the bat signal and those are two things that are still in the finished product and are still like standout moments of like fun kind of like humor but also like holy shit the league's actually together like holy shit batman and the flash <laughs> are talking to each other <laughs> like it's it's still so surreal that this movie exists yeah um and it goes on uh, the screen and basically it says the cast is great the ensemble um particularly it calls out ezra yes. as a scene stealer brings loads of charisma humor and heart to his performance as the league's most enthusiastic but least experienced member <laughs> one whose speed force powers are among the film's most dazzling visual effects yes because like that was what I was saying with the slow mo is like the the Renaissance painting kind of aspect of like when when Diana's trying to catch her sword and then he goes around and like pokes it yes. for her like that was beautiful that was like yeah. it was so good and I love how they just work so well together yeah from the get go yeah let me think there's a lot in this review honestly yeah. um, a lot of it and then it kind of goes on to say that a lot of it was left on the cutting room floor side characters were cut iris. like willem dafoe iris yeah. um i wouldn't be surprised if there was more yeah. with lois and mama kent yeah definitely because there was there was definitely at least one martha scene that like someone noticed in the trailer that didn't... why did you say that name <laughs> there was at least one scene that like was in the trailer and not in the movie with yeah. them and like even lois like there's this there's the shot in the trailer of like lois on the street and she turns around and looks up at the sky that was never in the movie but yeah. it like that's just kind of splitting hairs almost to an extent yeah. like i i don't think that that necessarily detracted away from it too much i don't know yeah 
And last but not least, those who see Justice League are very much advised to not leave the theater <laughs> until the end credits are completely, completely done rolling. That's a quote from Screen Rant, and yeah. I, I wholly endorse that, that. part. We you can talk about that. Let's let's like get through Collider, and yeah. then we can just kind of like just say whatever else we can think of for so, this movie. So, Collider's an outlet that I have a don't-care-hate relationship with. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Collider is an outlet that I have a hate don't care relationship I'm with kidding, <laughs> <laughs> um but so because i i asked you i was like name an outlet and i will find what their review was for this movie and we will kind of go from there because i we wanted like the blogosphere kind of approach and to collider this. is at like the core of shitty biased <laughs> i'm like review. don't be too harsh well you know what they're harsh in this review okay Mr. good point matt goldberg well so here's the weird thing collider wrote two reviews and one was a not spoiler review and it is rated negatively the second one i don't even think is in rotten tomatoes index and it's a very positive review but they're written by completely different people and they're published like within days of each other so this review starts off with i feel bad for justice league and right off the bat like, That's, uh, I, it's a film that doesn't even really have a filmmaker at this point, which is not true. Not true at all. Uh, Zack Snyder delivered a cut of the movie. He left the project. Just we didn't heavily reshot the film, which Lie. is not true. Because if he heavily reshot the film, he would have to have been credited as a director yes. by uh, DGA, or, yeah, DGA. DGA rules. I think I how much what's the percentage it has to be like let me look 30%. it up let me look it up because it's gonna bother me but like because i know because i know it's a whole issue with the like han solo thing that like technically lord and miller could get a directing credit because they directed like 90 percent of the movie before they were fired yeah. but like ron howard it'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds because like yes. ron howard i think then completely reshot stuff and like cut characters out and stuff yeah. it's at least it's it's interesting to me because now justice league is not an anomaly because now the same exact things kind of under yes. different circumstances is happening with Han solo so there is no way that we didn't directed enough of this movie uh, to have it be called a snyder whedon movie or even a whedon movie yeah he's like, credited as a writer because he contributed because he was brought in from the get-go to write additional scenes. Like, that yeah. was Snyder. Snyder and Whedon kind of, like, had both of those will, scenes the, in their I mind. I think the entire third act, all Snyder. Yes. It is the most carefully paced, paced uh, act. It did. It, like, there it was, there's a, there's a moment where it goes from being this, like, almost product of two directors to an extent where you can kind of you can tell in the first act and in a bit of the second where like you can there's moments where you can notice where Whedon yeah. touched things but, I think but the by the like middle of the second act on you can it's so obviously Snyder yeah it's all him there's no Whedon flourishes there yeah I'm still looking up the DGA thing because it's gonna bother me um come on the internet is not yeah, being helpful so, when I want to speed read. But, uh, going back to like the Whedon touches, like the the first post credit scene is definitely a Whedon edition. Yes, that's such a fanboy moment that I feel he would add. And then there's I feel like, clear, but, I, but I, okay, I also feel like it's something that Zach would like. Zach endorsed that. But but think about 
the additional scene in the Barry Bruce. Okay, but the, here's my thing. Here's my what? thing, though. Just because that's what Whedon did, it doesn't mean Snyder didn't endorse that scene happening. No, oh, yeah, yeah. That like I, he I'm not was still he something like he he approved of the rewrites from my like or the the added scenes that yeah. were brought in from my understanding. But it was a it's Whedon just, thing. It's just yeah. that he Snyder would have directed them himself had the situation been different. Yeah. So instead, Whedon was brought in to do the scenes. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. God, it's really hard to figure it out. But no, I for the DGA thing, I think it's like 30-something 30, 30 percent. Thinking, yeah. So I would just kind of say for that. And, so and in I, that don't case, know, I don't know if that's the same for WGA roles for him to be credited as a screenwriter, too. But, like, it, I don't know. It I think it's a little bit different for both because you yeah. can have movies... Tom Lennon is credited for fucking Herbie Fully Loaded, and I mean, he wrote the first yeah. treatment of that movie and then and, walked away. Yeah, and Joss is credited on Toy Story. Yeah. The first one. So, and he could have pitched maybe, I don't know, a couple lines, and yeah. that's it, and he could still be credited. So, But, like, I don't know. And the, someone from WB, I can't remember who, did say Whedon did, like, 15 to 20% of the movie. So it's, like, enough yeah. to to not have those co-directing rules yeah. and sort of instill enough. Like, when it said a Zack Snyder film, my heart just fluttered. I was so happy. <laughs> um, so going back to Collider, I'm just, like, looking at the review, I see all these, like, buzzwords yeah. that mean nothing. Bold, no, they're just bolded words. Not um, even those. Like, the... In a... In place of disaster, Justice League is a largely bland, forgettable affair that has nice moments scattered throughout and the promise of a better tomorrow. Uh, I and it says it says, that. but outside of Wonder Woman, that's the, all the DCU really offers. The promise that the next movie will be better. And sure, Justice League is better than BVS, but that doesn't make it good. Ugh. Um, <laughs> okay, so so then it goes on to say, after a brief prologue featuring Superman that presents the character in a better light than Man of Steel and BVS combined, we cut to the present day where everything is sad because Superman is dead. So let's talk about that first scene. And first of all, posit your theory about that scene because so, I I love it so much. <laughs> so I instantly had this thought um, while watching it. So the, the, the movie opens up with video camera footage of a child, a little boy interviewing superman and he asked superman hey can i ask you questions for my podcast that little boy is billy batson i shazam uh, i hope so i because, really 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 hope so because canonically billy batson has been involved with radio he always cared he, it was whiz radio because mm. he always carried around his little ham radio thing oh. and his microphone and it's like evolved to go with the times but th having billy batson do a podcast, a video podcast, is a natural evolution, and to have him interview Superman, mm -hmm. and knowing that Shazam is coming, yeah, that it's cast and it's in ready to production, go. That that to me, that's Billy Batson until I'm well, and like, wrong. it's it's a perfect motif to kind of carry over into Shazam of like having him like it would be an easy way to kind of do narration without it being this ham-fisted kind of thing. It would then be it's such just an like, interesting plot he's doing a podcast. Solo. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm really hoping that that's true because it is a. It's just a fun little thing to throw in, but I, I think it kind of it totally fits within the world of all of that. And yeah, and it's going back to Collider. It kind of begrudges that how simple the movie is <sighs> when we've already talked about Avengers and how it's very because it says it it's very much an ABC progression. 
It also says that... One dimensional character motivations. Yeah, it says unlike BVS, you can follow the plot from A to B to C. Sorry, we have to make you think. Yeah, like, that's what I loved about BVS is that every time I saw it, it was like an an ancient text that I was like getting new information from every single time of like, I'm getting a completely different reading of it now. Like, I don't mind that this, the narrative for this one was simpler because we got more character uh, interactions and dynamics fleshed out. Yes. Like, with a big ensemble movie, you're going to have to sacrifice... Something. ...plot or character. Yeah. You can't have both. If you have both, you're a master at what you do, and I can't really think of a case where that happens. You can argue, like, even Civil War is very simple when you boil it down. Yeah. If you If you neglect, like, the like geopolitical aspects and all of the like Mm -hmm. arcs of it's basically if you boil it down it's like a giant game of like two two kids trying to assemble like capture the flag teams yes like and (laughs) it takes them all over the world and then they fight and then they take a break and then they fight again and then they take a break and so on and so forth and it's like it's over it's overwhelmingly simple when you boil it down like that and i mean like for a first kind of team-up movie that also in the process has to establish all of these different characters. I think the plot did enough while still, like you said, bringing in more character-based kind of stuff. So I like how um, Matt Goldberg of Collider kind of contradicts himself in the same paragraph. (laughs) At best, you get something like Miller's cheerful performance, but there's nothing approaching a character arc. You get hints... uh, he basically says you get hints and then he goes into contradicting himself by basically writing out all the character arcs in the movie <laughs> people by saying there's nothing there uh um like flash's uh, ability to do more contribute mm-hmm. and be a hero and mm-hmm. aquaman deciding to help humanity or cyborg coming to grips with his existence those are the goddamn character arcs That's in this exactly movie. That's exactly the character arcs. And you said everyone there are none. A, everyone had a fucking character arc. It's it's the three that you mentioned. It's Diana realizing that she that like just because she isn't expendable doesn't mean she doesn't like she can help people and not feel the guilt of knowing that they will die. Like yes. she, not everyone is Steve Trevor is basically kind of a boiled down part of uh, her plot, which I loved that. And as I continue in this paragraph, I found another reason why I love speed force vision okay so nothing flash does despite miller's great performance is ever half as exciting as what we've seen from quicksilver in the x-men movies <sighs> but now i just realized one aspect why i like the flash speed force vision he's not alone what yeah. the quicksilver scenes are just him yeah with everyone else like not even, know, yeah he's just doing things to people he's not yeah. doing teamwork it's all just him on his own, whether he's, like, messing with security guards or moving things out of a blow- exploding building. Yeah. It's Flash interacting with his teammates, working with them, giving Diana her sword, mm-hmm. trying to save his team from Superman going berserker. Because, like, the, the Quicksilver scenes are fun, but they dis- like they suspend disbelief. Or, like, yeah, they're, like, they're, they're so, so heightened from reality. Like, they're so unrealistic, and that's what I'm makes not, them fun. Not even that. It's just, like, the... It's like a sidebar in this larger action piece yeah. where the flash scenes are integrated into, into the plot. Like it's where not, if it's not, it's not like, Oh, we got to put a pause on this. We got to 
do the uh, Quicksilver scene. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, the Flash stuff is part of the larger action. Which, like, the Quicksilver stuff factors into the plot, but it's not, like you said, it's this more, like, gigantic, like, interlude almost, more than, like, an integral part of the movie. And it's, because it's, it's so removed because Quicksilver puts on his headphones and plays music, music, and it's, it's his own little thing, whereas the Flash stuff is like i said more integrated yeah everything else around him and And like more aware of the consequences of like if he fucks up kind of um glider says uh that there's choppiness which we discussed in the first act it's it's fine i accept that i feel like the the second time around that choppiness won't be as much of an issue to me but it's when you when you're watching something from the first time that stuff kind of is more abundantly obvious and uh Here's another point from Matt that I disagree with. Superman was standoffish and unsure uh, unsure of his place in the world, but in Justice League, he's been rewritten to stand as a beacon, although his statue is still rubble and whose absence is so profound that it creates the scent of fear that feeds parademons. I don't... He's not been rewritten. No. It's a character progression. He died, and now he's like, oh, wow, I kind of... <laughs> Like he's surrounded by people who are inspired by yeah, him. Yeah, it, it's and... it's it's more of a rewrite of the world around him. Yes. Than it is a rewrite of like, Superman. I will admit, like, there's moments of Clark that I was not expecting. Moments yes. that are very much classic this Superman. Clark is, I, this it's is totally the, different this, than Man of Steel and BVS. Everyone who Super- thinks that Snyder does not have a grasp on Superman can just. Uh, I I agree with what you're coming from to an extent, but with this movie. He course corrects so much of it, and he yeah. gives it that kind of like Reeves esque thing, while yeah. also being its own thing. It's not yes. trying to be the definitive Superman. Which I, so this is a whole other thing, and I kind of saw um, Ray Fisher touch on this on a podcast that he mm-hmm. was on, where he talks about having characters grow and develop over the course of these movies, because mm-hmm. otherwise, if they are come out of the gate fully established you have nowhere to go and they just become comedic mm-hmm. actors mm-hmm. i'm not saying where that <laughs> happens but like i love that we have it would be silly to have barry already fully formed in this movie as a full-on capable flash it would be silly to have aquaman already the king of atlantis or to have victor i'm the leader of the teen titans yeah. or have it it it's not fun. No. I want to get to that point eventually, but it's so much more fun to see the evolution of the team dynamic and them grow together and individually. Yes, completely. But so yeah, I, I disagree with Matt Goldberg of Collider. Yeah. Uh, so this is another point in the review where you kind of lose professionalism points with uh. me. <laughs> So he says the bare bone the bare bones story that we get lacks stakes because we don't really know most of these characters and Steppenwolf this is actually in the review sucks with, with like seven years that's not that's not a professional thing to do in a review like it's very bloggy it's that's mm. not you mm. wouldn't see fucking uh Ebert doing that <laughs> ebert would not do that Ebert wouldn't even put that in a text message like no, he would not and that like i get it you just don't like this movie um i assume he's cgi because no actor in their right mind would play such a forgettable antagonist 
Malekith? Anyone? Malekith? Malekith? Like, you cannot. You cast Galactus Fart Cloud? Like. (laughs) You cast Christopher Eccleston and you waste him. Completely. He doesn't speak English. He doesn't do shit the entire movie. Like, I. I I was not expecting Steppenwolf to be, like, the big, like, impactful, gigantic, this is gonna affect the League forever kind of villain. I wasn't expecting big things from him. I went. I remember when BVS ended and then we were waiting for news on Justice League and everyone thought, oh, it's gonna be Darkseid. Like, that's where we're going. That's who's gonna be the villain. And then it's like. Steppenwolf? Like, that was kind of totally everyone's... i that. It was why, like, okay. Why blow your wad right out of the game? Yeah, like, uh, the mention of Darkseid, the mention of the new gods was enough for me. That would have been like making the first Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. Why throw Thanos in the first one? Exactly. Like, you have to build to something. Because if you, if you threw Darkseid in the first one, where would you go? Like, exactly. I mean, obviously there's source material of places you can go and like different like kind of thing. different kind of events. But and plus, then it would have been the comparison of oh, you're just cheating out Infinity War, kind yeah. of like you're trying to do the same like, sort of I thing. I never expected big things from Steppenwolf. He's an effective villain. He he serves his purpose well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then brings a hell of a lot more mother jokes <laughs> into yes. this franchise. So I. Uh, Collider gives it a D plus. That plus, man, that really goes a long way. (laughs) Uh, The only thing that saves, and saves is in quotes, Justice League is a low bar and more promises. (sighs) Which no one said that. I hate to keep bragging on Dark World, but no one said that shit after Dark World. Exactly. And look at where we are in it. We're at the height. Of Thor. Yes. Like, we... It was physically, like, unfathomable to me that we would get a Thor movie as good as Ragnarok. So, like... It's not the one that I already always envisioned. But it but still was... I'm so glad it exactly, exists. Exactly. Exactly. fantastic. And it's like, I do not mind the... I don't mind the fact that a, a portion of Justice League is setting up the promise of what's to come because it's more of a if thing. If this is what we're so, being promised, I'm fucking excited. And so here's my thing. I felt that promise as soon as I got out of BVS for the first time. I'm like, there is so many places this could go. There's so much world that they're setting up here. There's so many things that could happen that I'm very excited to see happen on screen. And then I, it was that thing of like, I feel shitty for having this opinion because everyone disagrees with me. Yes. And so then it, to go from that to like this level of hope and kind of expectation of what's to come to be like articulated in this movie and be like a driving point of it. I was very pleased about that. Cause now it's like, it gets more people on the side of optimism. I think Which- overwhelmingly seems to be the general audience consensus consensus at least from (laughs) rotten tomatoes with currently at 86 percent yeah i how many ratings did the 86 percent have Eighty-eight thousand. almost eighty-nine. refresh it see if it changed Yeah, now it's 89,000, but still at 86%. So. And it, I think when we started recording, it was at 39%. It's at 40. Woo! Bumped up like one point, but still that one point means a lot. Yeah, there's one more new review on it, so well, it was good, a positive. Good, but like, I'm trying to think of what else we really want to say about this movie, because we can say a lot about this movie, but I want to... Well, because usually, okay, so um, usually the last bit that we have... Is fan casting. Is fan casting the, the main 
uh, cast members and the director to, into superhero and, movies. Or if we cover a superhero movie, it's saying what we want to see next. Which I think we have a clear idea <laughs> on what's coming next. The if you could have seen the glee on both of our faces when they walk into Wayne Manor, like even just thinking about it is like giving me oh, fucking goosebumps. Oh, I wasn't goosebumps. even referring to that. I know. That I'm, I'm talk about both things. Like the the positive. Th- like okay, this thing first, and then the second thing, because I'm kind of going in chronological order. But like the yeah, the Wayne Wait. Manor thing, setting up what we're setting up. Even just like the shot of the six of them standing together, like. Like I said, it's the hope. It's like the optimism that like yeah, if what can go from here. I would have loved if that was kind of like if we had Jor-El's speech playing over that <gasps> just to really so people are gonna make those edits. Those yeah. edits are going to exist as soon yeah. as this movie's out on digital yes. and I will watch those and cry. Yeah. Like it's oh it's And they literally uh, joined him in the sun. Like the, the sunrise sun. the sun. behind them. Oh uh, my god. And, but and like so knowing like it was the thing I never like Wayne Manor is the Hall of Justice, which is such a perfect setting. It really is. It's a genuinely perfect setting. It's gonna be like like we've gone from Bruce planning murder there. Yeah. To like <laughs> I'm gonna invite all my friends here. Yes. This is gonna be the like slumber party house basically. Also, we were talking about how funny it would be for Dick and Jason to come home and be like, what the "Sorry fuck guys, to my room? sorry guys, Barry took over your room." Hi, Who the I'm fuck's Barry. Hi, I'm Barry. <laughs> Are you the new Robin? <laughs> like it there's so uh, there's then, so much potential and I love it because when we've been in we've been in this weird state of stasis where shit ke- keeps coming up that's in development but that nothing really know. happens. Yeah. But like, now I feel like now we have a clearer idea of of the how the piece of, and of how the pieces can fall into place of like what else can be next like which it's going to be a while before we get Justice League 2. I know. But if what I think and what I want, and I know I said on this podcast, like, don't put your own expectations into the movie. <laughs> but to, you're, like, you're putting this in just like your hopes. It's yeah, not expectations. My hopes. So, fucking seeing Slade Wilson <laughs> in the same space as Lex Luthor. <laughs> So, full disclosure, audience, I knew that scene I was coming. I knew that I knew that scene was coming. I when I knew it was coming, I fell out of my chair. I immediately messaged Chris and I said, "I know what one of the scenes is and you, there's no way in hell I'm telling you." And then made sure for like a week and a half that he did not know. Mm-hmm. And then just the delight on your face was, when the when the there's w- that shot, that beautiful shot of just Slade in silhouette on the boat, like walking. And like, you know that was a Snyder scene. It was everything because it was on the storyboards. It was yes. exactly what he had storyboarded in that one Instagram photo a, over a year ago. Yeah, he showed us what it was, and we were like, oh cool and really? we just kind of forgot about it yeah because it wasn't the thing that i necessarily thought was a post credit scene mm. i thought it was like something i thought it was something that was going to be cut yeah the rumors were like luther had Lex, been cut that, or that luther was more integrated into the main plot yeah and then more involved with the steppenwolf and motherbox stuff which like he was in terms of like his notes but yeah it like was, his, he like had a that, presence there but him himself wasn't. i loved that aspect of it especially for people who like shit on eisenberg and like his portrayal of like i i think i 
I could say a lot about Eisenberg's portrayal of Lex. It's not the definitive portrayal of Lex, but it is one that I am always intrigued by every time I see I think him. My definitive Lex is uh, Rosenbaum. <laughs> well, I'm not even kidding. Yeah, really? Like, it's okay. The most. Well, when we start our small, out, when we start our Smallville podcast, we will go into that. His entire arc on the show is fantastic. Okay. And seeing, uh, that's all. We'll get into that on at our some Smallville point. podcast. Uh, but, um, but so going back to our end bit just of where we want to see this go i mean they want to form a league of their own i'm just so giddy like just hearing that i am so giddy like so, ah. so i mean between uh, now and the potential justice league two. 2 we will have an aquaman solo with black one, manta wonder woman 2 yes a green lantern core movie hopefully i hope they don't a, like a, i don't know i hope we'll have one We'll that, that just feels like one of those things that's in stasis. Like, it's just in it's just in development, but there's no updates. I feel by next San Diego, we'll know for sure. I'm hoping. I mean, Which, by the way, we'll the have... Green Lantern cameo, quote-unquote, in this movie was just enough. Yes. I still would have loved my definitive thing of the six of them standing in the sun, and then Hal Jordan flies down with Starbucks and goes, Hey guys, what did I miss? And then it just ends. But, like, <laughs> the fact that we didn't get that is okay. Yes. But, yeah, it, like... Yeah, I really hope that the Green Lantern movie, like, becomes something. Yeah. But, yeah, so we'll have Green Lantern, Shazam, Wonder Woman 2. Squad 2, probably. Squad. So we're establishing a lot of villains. And whatever else they decide to develop. They might, like, expedite, like, the Cyborg movie or yeah. whatever else, That's like, between now and then. a lot of villains that we could add to yeah. this Injustice League. So say, tell the listeners what you were telling me earlier, kind so of, like, your hopes. we could... Deathstroke movie that will be done by the raid guys so before we had seen justice league my pitch for the deathstroke movie was the wilson family variety hour <laughs> it's just also camp. your pitch for arrow season seven but yes. that's a conversation for another day so it basically it would have been slade and his kids mm-hmm. but now i want it to be slade recruiting the injustice league with his kids thrown in yeah yeah for the family dynamic because you could have all these cool interactions with yeah. Slade recruiting Black Manta. Mm-hmm. Well, like Cheetah. I want to Cersei, know. I want to know Savannah, why this version Adam. of yeah. I want to know why this version of Slade like what his motivation is. Like he got money. <laughs> but like, I just want to. I want that explored. Whether it's like some vendetta against Batman or yeah. like what villains kind of like or what other characters kind of factor into that kind of nebulous mm-hmm. nature. Like I want to know that. It would be kind of hilarious just to have it be like, "Hey, I'm here because I'm getting paid." But like, yes. <laughs> but like either way, I feel like if they're gonna give him a solo, there's gonna be some sort of motivation there, and I'm very curious to see what it is. But yeah, having him recruit cheetah and manta and everyone else would be insane yeah (sighs) just play up the strength of the villains they're so good on their own yeah and along the way you're really serving like you're solving the villain problem quote unquote that this because you get to develop them in these other movies and you get like poc villains and female villains and all this like Like diversity of like diversity in terms of what you're seeing and in terms of like how what they're bringing to the role and like their character as much as i say that each movie should be able to stand on its own in a cinematic universe i should be able to go in without the knowledge of having watched others Mm -hmm. to understand or enjoy this movie that I'm currently watching. That's what John's kind of wants. He wants, like, 
it can be connected, but it doesn't have to be. Like yeah. where, which was what Wonder Woman was a perfect example, where it's like you didn't need to see BVS, but BVS helped benefit yeah. your experience of watching Wonder Woman, but it so, wasn't essential. So going off of that idea, I feel like because if if they take my pitch, Jeff, please take it <laughs> that you have all these villains established and then go into Justice League Two, and it'll be the Injustice League. I, or the you, Legion of Doom, have or all, the Legion of Doom, yeah, however you want to call you'll it. You'll have all this development of the villains in the individual solo movies, yeah. or Deathstroke, and or Squad Two. Yeah, like you can easily pop one of the villains into Suicide Squad Two. Adam. Yeah, which is what the the current rumors are, which I am very here for. But yeah, and like we were talking earlier today, like. Dwayne Johnson and Joe Manganiello are already in a movie together. Like the with um, um, Jeffrey Flash- Dean Morgan. Yeah. So it's like Flashpoint, Batman, Black Adam, and Deathstroke walk into a bar, basically. And Rampage is a WB movie, so, so they're all in. They're all in the thing. orbit, yeah. so it's like I want to see that. I want to see all of these villains kind of partner up. It's yes. I'm amazed that we're getting that. And it's one of the things that we don't see in the MCU outside yeah. of Loki. Loki is the only kind of through recurring line of villain. villain. Yeah. Like, yeah. no one... Everyone else is a one-off, or they're an anti-hero that then yeah. is, like, turned around. No one else, and that's, I think that's one of the strengths that they'll start playing up. And I love that. I love that. I think that's a thing that, I think that definitely sets them apart, and I think it's, like, a really, I'm very it's excited. It's a smart play. And it's exactly how the comics function. Yeah. It's, like, in, from what I read of Marvel, which I will admit is significantly less than what I read of DC, it almost seems like a lot of the villains in Marvel work alone. Like, they're just kind of very, like, doing kind of their own shit they in have, more cases than not. There's, like, pockets. Like, yeah. all, you'll see Spider-Man rogues. Yeah, like, like, I mean, there's, on the smaller scale, but, like, you don't uh, have really, like, a version of the Legion of Doom, kind of. There's the the axis of, or evil, not the axis of evil. Um, <laughs> That's like a real life thing. Yeah. Um, uh, why am I blanking on the name? But there is a, it, there is a group of villains, but they're not... As popular. They're not at, like the notoriety of like the Legion of Doom. Yeah. But there there is, there are things in marvel that exist that are like that mm-hmm. like they could easily have their own suicide squad yeah in the thunderbolts yeah which i would love to see which like I, but like it's one of those things where i feel like they're never going to do that on like a big scale because they can't because yeah. all their villains are one-offs they've done like it does over like well canonic a, you could have bucky at the leader of thunderbolts it's yeah. canonically happened. Yeah, but, like, I just mean, like, you would never, you can't, it's physically impossible to do what DC is trying to do right now with their villains. Like, Marvel cannot do that on the MCU kind of scale, because everyone's cause a weird. one-off. It's because, like, there are some villains that we just won't see again, like Abomination. And yeah. And then the, uh, uh, oh, fuck, he's the big head from Hulk. Oh, fuck, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, we won't see those villains, because they're tied up with the universal rights. Yeah. And so. then you have Marvel and Sony going yeah. back and forth with their Spider-Man toys and who gets what. <laughs> so it's a whole kind of, yeah, there's no, you don't get to follow the villains. There's always emphasis on the heroes. And Kevin Feige has come out and admitted that. Mm-hmm. And hopefully post-Infinity War, War. Yeah, well, because with Thanos being such a big focus, I feel like that will change. Mm. 
it'll at least change how they approach it. At least with the scrolls. Like, the scrolls well, will be no, more than a one-off kind of thing. Yeah, because now... I kind of take back what I was about to say, because you would... Okay. Like, Nebula is a case of... But a, she's an anti-hero. She she's went a, to she's anti-hero. A Bucky. Like, she, she's, she was yeah. reformed and joined the Guardians. She's literally a Bucky. Yeah. Metal arm and everything. But, like, yeah, going back to Justice League, it's like, A, like we said, you get the benefit of everything being under one house. Like, you don't have to worry about, like, the rights being divided yeah. up elsewhere. And so then you get this opportunity to do these, like, insane team-ups. And not having a roadmap of ABC. It's kind of like, we're going to make them as we go. And, like, let the creators kind of dictate what goes in where. For better or for worse, each method, whether you have this clear roadmap or kind of we're going (laughs) to figure it out as we go, they each have their pros and cons. But they're both fun. They're both valid. Yes. And... Gosh, I'm like, I can't believe we saw Justice League. <laughs> After this, we should look for tickets again for Saturday. We will, we will. <laughs> Fuck Sunday, I need to see it Saturday. Yeah, yeah, we're, go- we're going. Like, <laughs> But yeah, um, I guess, is that it? What else do we want to say? Yeah, before uh, we talk for another hour or so. Yeah, just about everything. Um, Mara. Slaying my Atlantean queen. <laughs> just like... I love Gail Simone being like, what are all these other characters doing in Mara's movie? Like, God bless. But yeah, it's just everything was, everything just made me so hopeful and just happy. It's an imperfect movie, but I don't give a shit. It's, it's, yeah, I'm never, I don't know. I'm wholeheartedly aware that it's not perfect, but it's still. But I love the hell out of it. Exactly. So. Where can the people find you? They can find me on Twitter, screaming about Justice League, at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn. And there you can find the links to all my other stuff. Um, where can people find you on Twitter using John Ralphio GIFs to <laughs> describe the Justice League? At the Chris Vitero. And yeah, I'm mainly on Twitter, sometimes on Instagram. Yeah, so um, until next time, keep watching movies, go see Justice League. Bye. Bye.